drop. Hey there, everyone. My name is Christian Wynn, the director of Storyport. And you're listening to Storyport Presents Voices of Treefort Music Fest, a weekly podcast that dives into the stories behind Boise's Festival of Discovery. Treefort Music Fest brings in hundreds of artists from all over the globe every March, though currently we are rescheduled because of a global pandemic among other things, for September of 2021. But hey, we are here every week to tell you about all things Treefort. And today, myself and Allison Meyer, one of our awesome Storyfort team members, uh, we sit down via Zoom with Chelsea Smith and Lila Stryker of the Filmfort team. They're going to talk about, oh, the state of the industry, what they've been watching during the pandemic, and also a really cool event that they are putting on this coming weekend at the Flicks, where they're showing three features. And the Flicks is our art house theater in Boise, Idaho, uh, safely distanced, smaller crowds. And then they're also going to be streaming a bunch of the shorts that were going to be at uh, Film Fort 2020. But I guess they are really going to be there because this coming weekend would be during the rescheduled Tree Ford Music Fest that did not happen and will not happen until next year. But this year, Film Ford happens uh, in the manners I just described. So, hey, hope you're safe out there. Hope you're doing well. It's a little smoky here in Boise still as summer winds down, but we're doing our best to, you know, have a good time and bring you some podcasts. So, here is Film Ford. Oh, that was a good beginning. Great start. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. We're beginning our episode here with Lila Stryker. What's up? And Chelsea Smith of Film Fort. We're here on Zoom doing this thing called the Story Fort Presents Voices of Tree Fort Music Fest, if I can get that out. And Allison Meyer, who's one of our co-hosts and assistants for Story Fort, is going to join us in a little bit. But she had some work things come up, so she's stepping away. But I don't know. Chelsea, let's start with you. Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and about Film Fort and a couple cool things that are happening. And then we'll get to Lila. You guys can just play off each other on this whole Film Fort front. Yeah, so Film Fort is the three-day film festival that's associated with Tree Fort Music Fest. And um, so we focus really on independent, like up-and-coming artists, um, some that are very, you know, new and emerging artists, and some that are a little more established, but, um, but you know, still independent. Um, and, um, yeah, I actually came to the Film Fort team just this last year. I was on the Hack Fort team before that, and... Um, my background is in documentary film as a producer and a director. Um, and I've also done some writing and acting as well. Um, but, uh, but a lot of my work has been in, in, in producing. And uh, so I, d- I used to plan a lot of screenings in one of my old um, lifetimes working for a film organization out in Portland. So I was pretty involved in the film scene there. Did a lot of, um, a lot of screenings, a lot of education, a lot of filmmaker uh, community building. And so um, it's been really fun to just take those skills and apply them with Film Fort. Nice. So you moved from Portland, Oregon. I did. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, let's get over to Lila next real quick, and then we'll kind of like hop into the full conversation about what is going on at Filmfort. Um, yeah, so I'm Lila Stryker. I, my background's more in photography and filmmaking, um, and I joined the Filmfort team like about three years ago and worked my way up to producer level. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, yeah, I've worked in a lot of film stuff, some documentaries, some uh, narrative, mostly narrative, um, and I started getting really interested in festivals and started doing more uh, programming a little bit on the side, photographing festivals, and then, yeah, just being more and more involved, so. And so you possibly can speak to a little bit of the history of Film Ford. I mean, because it started out a little bit differently than some of the forts I know, but just because it was kind of, it, it was a different festival during the festival then it became a fort later on but what do you know about that right um so we actually know the some of the founders of it um ben morgan started this um and yeah i think we were only like a legitimate festival maybe like six years ago and <laughs> yeah like we they started as like more of a you know catch a film between shows style and then so they worked into like actually having programming and all that kind of stuff. Chelsea has something. She's holding up a finger on our Zoom conversation, which we'll do throughout to get, you know, each other's attention. And uh, she can unmute where you may hear a cat in the background. That's okay. <laughs> you may hear a cat. The cat, she really likes film, so she likes to be involved. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was just going to add on to what Lila said is that Ben Morgan and, and Ian Clark were uh, – are the founders of Eastern Oregon Film Festival, mm -hmm. which is kind of our sister festival, I guess. And um, Treefort approached them, I think, because of their experience, really successful experience throwing the film festival in La Grande. I mean, such a small town, but they were bringing, mm -hmm. you know, world-class work there um, successfully for 10 years now. So they were really fundamental in, in helping us lay some of that groundwork. And, um, even though Ben's not involved, he uh, has a film that's in the film in the uh, program this oh, year. Oh, cool! So um, you know we continue to have that connection, and, and Ian Clark um, is on our programming team still. So we still have that kind of influence from EOFF. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and Legrand, for those who don't know, um, is a small city for sure. You know, I don't know what their population is, but they. You wouldn't, it wouldn't, you wouldn't probably pick it as a place that would have an international film festival. Of, exactly. <laughs> you know, sort of high quality, but uh, it, they do. And yeah, that's an interesting sort of uh, connection there between what Treefort was trying to do to diversify programming. So yeah. I mean, maybe real quick, like what does Filmfort look like at Treefort Music Fest? I mean, there's lots to do at Treefort when Treefort actually happens. Um, this year we're so sad and disappointed. We're about a year out, by the way, from the next one. But uh, I don't know, what does it look like? Either one. Lila like on a, like on Lila. a normal year? On a normal, like if it, if it would have happened in March, what would it have looked like? March of 2020. Um, yeah. So we often will just have uh, screenings, I think like maybe three blocks throughout each day. And we are a shorter festival that runs like three to four days um, during the, the week-long festival of Tree Four, um, mm -hmm. so it's a little more like casual in the sense of you know we don't have constant constant work as much as everybody else. Right. Um, yeah. There's usually about uh, maybe three to four blocks per day, um, and 
depending on the years, like I think last year we only had the single lo or we had two locations that we would play at. That was the uh, like the Hilton Hotel, and then the other one was Red Feather um, in their basement. Mm. Very limited seating. I think a lot about twelve people could make it into those screenings. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. And. Uh, yeah, they were actually our most popular ones because they were some of our more like unique, like off-color sort of films, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, just like the weirder, more experimental stuff. Uh, and yeah, but that always drew a large crowd. Uh, the largest, yeah, large, like, a large quote-unquote crowd. Large, 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 small crowd, yeah. Like, <laughs> large uh, in COVID standards, especially. <laughs> I know, it's, it's this really cool basement sort of lounge area the downtown Boise restaurant and bar and yeah it's a really beautiful space but that would be a, I didn't get to go to that that's one of the things is yeah. being part of tree fort your own fort you don't Ooh. often get to see all the stuff you really want to see at our festival but right. um that's why I was, I was mentioning earlier like it's so cool to talk to you but just to get kind of like a, a larger understanding of like what your part of the festival is all about mm -hmm. There. So, yeah, so, is, yeah. Well, it would often like, you know, you definitely have to pick, like, with everything at Tree Four, you kind of had to like schedule out your time. And sometimes it was difficult to schedule out like a two hour block to watch weird artsy films during the middle of like a music festival. Mm -hmm. So we had like a very different crowd that would come to ours more often than not, like, a more like, uh, I don't know, more chill maybe? I don't, I don't even know how to describe them. <laughs> right. No, yeah, I, mean, I, I think it is like an alternative offering for some people who, you know, maybe aren't as into the music shows or maybe a little more introverted or they just need right. a couple hours of quiet. And, you know, there's just kind of an another option. And we do try to like program with that in mind that like, okay, it's a big ask to have a two and a half hour movie during uh, film during tree fort right so like we this year we were going to have like much shorter blocks and mm -hmm. um you know with a lot of breathing room and so we try to really like plan that so that people can drop in and, and casually watch a few films and then get back to their other tree forting if they want but then of course it's great for the like real film like the real film nerds who just want to focus on film we have that option too right yeah and so you're programming like this year as far as I could tell, it was going to be like three, you know, you know, feature films and the rest are going to be shorts, right? Pretty much. So we have one, we have one feature that's going to be on the virtual screening. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, long story short, we had about 42 films and we're going to end up sharing about 30 of them. And um, some of that is just because simply time has passed and some filmmakers actually the distribution companies own their films now and mm -hmm. they have limitations on screenings and stuff. So that, you know, that unfortunately did not allow us to show some of the features that we really wanted to share with folks, but um, we did manage to um, have a dim Valley is a, a feature that will be on the um, virtual screening and then about 30 shorts. And then the, the in-person screenings at the flicks are three features. Cool. And that's happening when? So it's happening September 25th through the 27th, which is when Tree Fort, you know, the would-be Tree Fort weekend. It's very limited seating, so you've got to buy a ticket now because 
um, you know, we're only going to have about 50 seats in a 150 person theater so that we can have some safety protocol in place. But that's, uh, that's what we're looking at Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 7 PM, um, every night for the flicks shows. And then the shorts will just be available to watch on demand on filmmaker magazine on those days. Yeah. Cool. Well, do you want to tell us a little about the features that are going to be at the flicks? Yeah. Either one of you. Yeah. Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little thumbnail yeah. sketch. I like, you know, just to hear about what they're, you know, they sound really cool to me, but I'm just super curious what, how you would describe them. Yeah. So we're opening up with a film called Feels Good Man that is about that little cartoon frog that a lot of people have seen that has been like appropriated in memes and, and even used in like hate speech and like dark corners of the internet. I think it, it's had its own life on 4chan and Reddit and things like that. But it's this little green frog um, and he's become this meme and this kind of powerful message bearer in the internet landscape. Um, and the film is really about like the creation story of that frog and how this kind of, you know, kind of hippie artist guy just made, made this little frog and then suddenly his creation got out of control and he no longer had control over how it was being used. So it's kind of an interesting film about intellectual property, about art, about censorship, about, um, you know, how we use the internet and how we are um, appropriating and sharing images and how information changes when it's shared and over time how it evolves. And, um, you know, the artist at first was not really that. He just thought, okay, you know, this is the internet. Things happen, you know, whatever. But what, what, what tipped it off for him, I don't think this is a spoiler because I'll leave it here, is that uh, this international hate speech organization put his his cartoon on the list of hate speech images used um, on the internet. And, and that was the last straw for him because that wasn't ever what it was meant to be, you know? So, um, so it's about him fighting that uh, mm -hmm. legally and emotionally, but it, it is also just about the spirit of art and, um, and kind of the life it can have on its own. Yeah. I mean, I've just listened to, then watched him on there's a YouTube video with him. Um, and what's his name? So you can like Google it. Arthur Jones. I'm putting you on the spot. Sorry. Arthur Jones is the director. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, the, the film is called Feels Good Man. But then we also have Freeland. Mm -hmm. that. What do we know about that? So Freeland is, is another awesome film. It's our second day film. And um, that film is a little more contemplative, beautiful cinematography. It takes place on a farm in Northern California and depicts a um, cannabis farm that has been operating kind of under the um, decriminalization laws in California and um, essentially comes to a point where as the industry is starting to regulate, it's actually harming some people who have been doing this a long time, right? Mm. So um, the film is actually really not so much about cannabis. It's more about um, people who have worked their whole lives on an, their business and, and then suddenly the industry changes and they're in danger of losing everything. Um, so it's more about that than about, um, you know, drugs or marijuana. But um, marijuana is an interesting sort of platform for that discussion. Um, so it's really, yeah, it's really about modernization and the people who get left behind in progress. 
Yeah, that looks fascinating as well. And then Beast Beast is the third one. Yeah, Beast Beast is our is our closing film, and all three of these films came out in 2020, which is um, pretty cool. So they're all really fresh um, in terms of like they're not online, nobody's seen them, you know. Um, so that's cool because it feels like everything's online now, right? It feels like you can find everything, um, but uh, not these films, not yet anyway. Um, Beast Beast is another timely topic, and that is really about a small town in the south um, that has kind of a, a triangle between three youth. Um, and again, another sort of commentary on internet and youth culture and how those things kind of intersect for um, good and bad. Um, and then it also kind of um, explores gu gun culture and, and its impact on youth um, in this small town. And so um, you kind of see how these, these characters interact with each other, um, you know, culminating in a large event. Cool. And those are all at the flicks, live in person. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, limited seating and all that stuff. And they're taking a lot of precautions or all the precautions. Yeah. Do they serve popcorn still or is that not a thing? They do. They are selling concessions. So you can still eat concessions once you're at your seat. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you have to wear masks up until you get settled and are socially distanced. Cool. And to speak to maybe the flicks real quick as far as, like, the way um, – because I've gone a couple times since – They've reopened and they are very conscious about safety and like everything is, it's really great because you get a big seats beforehand, which I love. And then you have a row between each um, seat that you have so that you are like isolated amongst your group. Um, and yeah, it just, it feels very safe. And majority of the time, like, you know, there's very few people in the theater. So it's way nicer viewing time as well as like, yeah, you get your own like private theater in so many ways. Um, but yeah, I, awesome. I, I will say that they're doing a really great job as far as like keeping everyone there, making everyone feel safe as well as like, you know, keeping up with everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it feels like a luxury, like, or yeah. just like a piece of normalcy, even though it's mm -hmm. a little bit not quite as normal, but um, yeah. yeah. But on our Zoom screen, Allison Meyer <laughs> of our Story 14, she's joined us. Um, I mentioned that before we got on air that you were super interested in what people were watching or kind of like doing with their screen time, like in a cinematic way during yeah. this uh, pandemic. But I don't know what, would you throw a couple questions at these film? Yeah. Well, people, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always, this has like been my question because I'm, I'm very curious about like with quarantine and being away, like what people are turning to in terms of what they're watching or reading. Um, and so I, I would just be curious what you have been uh, finding yourself attracted to the, the past like six months, I guess now. Yeah, I mean, well, I will say first and foremost, even us, you know, uh, film folk, we're, you know, we're no better than anyone else. We watch trashy reality <laughs> TV, you know, like anyone else. <laughs> I watched Tiger King, uh, you know, um, but, uh, <laughs> but also there's a lot of great content out there that's accessible for us. Um, I, you know, I've been really impressed with like Canopy or Uplift TV or some of these places online that are trying to like really uh, call out and like have a platform for really high quality content. 
um, that is sometimes issue driven. Um, you know, if you check out Canopy, a lot of people can get access through their local library or their university for free, and you can watch amazing independent films on there, as well as tons of um, educational material. So, um, but like that's a place where a lot of our filmmakers actually their films end up going. Um, so definitely check out Canopy if you haven't heard of that. Um, it's an app. It's on your Roku. It's on your whatever. You know, it's everywhere. You can do it on a browser-based thing, too. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I just hopped on there the other day, and they had I Am Not Your Negro was on there for, for free, the, the James Baldwin documentary. Phenomenal documentary. Everybody should watch right now to have some context for um, the discussions we're having right now and how thinkers like James Baldwin were talking you know, about these issues in a modern way 40 years ago. So um, there's a lot of great content out there that is predates COVID, but is actually really interesting and, and still relevant. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, Lila, if you have any. <laughs> well, my, my, my secret thing was I started watching a lot of reality TV, and I had <laughs> never watched reality TV up until quarantine. And I started watching, like, trashy stuff like uh, 90 Day Fiance and all those. <laughs> I didn't go into The Bachelor, but I did watch some of these other ones. <laughs> was the two, the two hot to handle one? Awful. Oh. Matchmaker too, another <laughs> Oh, one. God. I haven't started that one, but it's definitely on the list. Um, and then, of course, I started refining my taste, and I went into documentaries, and I started watching a lot of those. And we... Um, I recently finished watching The Watchmen, which was amazing. I thought it was so well made and like very interesting structure as far as uh, storyline, which I haven't seen in a full series in a long time. Um, so beautiful series. And then I also just finished watching Chernobyl, which is that was great. Also, it was amazing, but also so heartbreaking. Oh my god. Um, yeah. And that was, yeah, that was a very, because I wasn't too aware of that, that whole thing. Like, yes. you're young. young, you're younger than <laughs> I, like, I remember I was, it very well, but like, definitely the younger than, yeah. But at the same time, like, I wasn't super aware of that, uh, mm -hmm. what had happened. So it was really interesting to kind of go back and, you know, in the cinematic way and learn about history. And then what else? What's the one with the pods where the people I wore the, 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 I can't remember the title of that show, but it was very trashy and I did watch it, which is not like me very much. Were they like, don't see each other yeah. until they get engaged? I did watch that one too. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Like, what is it called? Somebody Google it. I was, I was, I was too much on, they were in pods. Another sure. thing I, I'd like to put out there is um, No Budge is a, a great website. No Budge, N-O-B-U-D. E dot com. It's no budge meaning no budget, but it's um, <laughs> it's really it's a it's a great platform to um for independent film. A lot of free films on there. A lot of filmmakers do uh you know screenings on there for like a one week window where you can watch the film. So um that's another great place to find content you're not really gonna find anywhere else. Um and they're just a great uh site and and a wonderful support system for the um independent film community yeah it's actually like it's really cool. cat thinks so too so yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's super interesting to see the way you know everyone is adapting to this new way of viewing films and it's mm -hmm. i'm really interested in seeing how this continues to develop like are 
Like these large budget movies that are being put out right now are not making their money back. And like, how do you justify a justify a two hundred million dollar budget for a film that's only going to make seventy million back or whatever? Like, it's just it's no longer going to make sense. And it's I'm curious to see if that means money is going to start going into these indie films again because. Mm-hmm. The fact that we've learned how to make things so cheaply and can then therefore make our money back when given the right platform. So I'm curious to see if we're going to start seeing a lot more of these like indie stuff on these major platforms again. Or like, you know, what does that look like um, after this kind of dies down a little bit? For sure. Yeah. Like, I, I think uh, you're so right, Lila, because like one, you know, Obviously, we're in a position where theatrical runs are becoming harder for anybody. But even like Disney, they just put Mulan on on um, on Disney Plus, uh, a huge yeah two hundred million dollar budget movie that went straight to video on demand. That's a game changer for the film industry. Um, it tells us all that we need to be keeping our eye on things because things are changing. Like, that will change the way that films are produced, um, not only in production, but also in post-production. Because mm-hmm. um, you're going to produce, you're going to you're gonna do different type of post-production um, for sound and color and all those things um, mm-hmm. if you're going straight to video on demand versus if you're doing a theatrical run and you need a surround sound treatment, right? Um, versus a home homes theater treatment Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of like technical choices that it impacts um for filmmakers but then just in terms of the budgets are going to shrink too if things are going straight to video on demand um because well frankly because they can because we're seeing more and more smaller budget indie films that are raising to the top you know and um I mean, like, I just, like, A Star is Born comes to mind because it was, uh, it made so much more than the, their budget was. They obviously had star power in that film mm-hmm. that made it, you know, really successful. But I, I think it's one of those things that's, like, it shows us that it actually, we don't need $200 million budgets to make good movies, which some of us already knew. But, um, you know, uh, Hollywood's figuring that out. And hopefully that will just open more doors for independent filmmakers that maybe were overlooked before. Right. And even that, like, there's a, this other aspect, like, not only the money issue, like, uh, in regards to Mulan, like, um, I know there's a lot of, like, injustice, or, like, the social justice side of it, where, you know, there's a lot of conflict about where they shot, and, like, they're, um, you know, I think the main actress has been um, under fire a bit about her support of, I believe, the Chinese government. And, like, we see a lot more people yeah. who are going to be backing these films that are, you know, ju- like, relevant in a lot of ways or, like, shot in a humane way. And how is that going to change our industry as well? Because I think that's that's a major talking point of right now. So there's a, 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 it's kind of piggybacking off Lila, too, and I can't speak too much to this, but I do know that, like, um, uh, Chinese production companies have really infiltrated Hollywood too and are developing their own content and their own star pantheons and they have their own agendas and stuff. So we're going to see more and more films that are actually produced by China with American actors. And um, and so, I mean, I, I have no comment on that except to say that things are changing, you know, and that it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. And budget-wise, I mean, okay, just... For us who are just, I watch films. I go to the flicks here in Boise, our only kind of art house um, movie theater. But I mean, like the budget of your average 
short, let's say that comes to, to film for it, or even a feature that comes to film for it, compared, film for it compared to sort of a major Hollywood production, like the 200 million, like what would like, what's a good budget for an independent, like if you could make a movie for like a million dollars, is that good? Or 500,000, or is it still more like 10, 12 million? I don't know. I would kill for a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, tell us more about the insider sort of knowledge there, because I don't know. Right. Well, I, I will say, I think you can make a film on whatever budget you have. Like, I believe that wholeheartedly. Yes. But I think having money definitely helps a lot. So, like, I've seen films range from, like, you know, no budget here. Like, I personally worked on a feature um, that we were, I think our total budget was five grand. And that we shot over, like, 12 days. We had, like, a six-person crew and cast, da-da-da. Um, so those films are being made as well as like, you know, I think, uh, I think one of the features shot here was around five, uh, 400 million, mm. no, sorry. 400 million. 400, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that'd be really great. <laughs> so it ranges around here as far as like, you know, you have. Yeah, <laughs> I would say five, like five or 10 million is still considered a small budget for like Hollywood, you know, uh, for, for us, you know, the average filmmaker, I, I'd say, most of our films have a budget, like the shorts probably all have a budget of most of them under 50,000. Um, it's really hard to make a feature for under 100,000. I know that people do it. Um, but, you know, just to give you a little bit of a, of a range on that, um, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the films, and certainly documentaries, easier to do in a small budget than a narrative film where you need to control all the variables and have actors and and makeup and things that you might have less of in a documentary, if at all. Um, so and it, it depends on how you shoot it, depends on where you shoot it. You know, there's just so many factors, but uh, yeah, certainly like, like Lila said, I think her and I have probably both worked on many films that, you know, had a 10, five or $10,000 budget. Mm. Um, but uh, the limitations, you know, usually come in with people having to donate their time then. Yeah. As we know, working with Tree Fort too, that's part of the factor. <laughs> you <laughs> donate a lot of that's time. That's the indie artist lifestyle, right? Yeah. A little bit of donated time and hopefully paying the bills. Somehow, some way. But Allison, maybe to loop back to you, like, what have you been watching? What are you, <laughs> how are your favorites? I did just watch the Charlie Kaufman, or at least I kind of fell asleep towards the end of it just because it was like one in the morning. But the new Charlie Kaufman film, pretty interesting. I'm going to actually like watch it. the I liked thing. it. And that's on there. But for you, what else should we know about? I don't, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not that interesting, but I've been watching like really artsy things or like rom-coms from the 90s, which is ridiculous, but it's what I grew up watching. So <laughs> I find it comforting. Yeah. So like what? I was watching Notting Hill again the other night and okay. I was forgetting oh, like how, how funny, film. like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How funny right. some of those scenes are. That's but, because my mom keeps telling me to rewatch that movie, Allison. My mom's like, really? watch Notting Hill again. And I'm like, okay, it's not high on my list. <laughs> I but, know. But you saying that now I'm like, I feel like the universe is telling me to watch this movie again. I think it's because like, um, I, I think what makes that film so good is the friendships, like the dinner party scene and the way they interact. 
like that's what I took away from that film is that that is working so well in that movie and I forgot how good that was and that holds up like every everything with like a 90s rom-com is a little iffy like there's some stuff that you would change now but I think that the element of their friendship holds up in a really fun way that, that was Hugh Grant, right? Yeah, that was Hugh oh, Grant. Yes, he had his heyday for, you know, that was yeah. Hugh and Julia Roberts, who you're a fan of. It's Hugh Grant being very Hugh Grant. I don't know if Hugh Grant can ever not be Hugh Grant. Yeah. Or really Hugh Grant, I feel yeah. like. So what else, Allison? We well, have- so I don't know what you've talked about. So you can, you can like, skip over if you've already asked <laughs> these questions. But um, have you talked about, like, what you look for in films when you're deciding what, what to feature a film for it? Just a little bit, That's so yeah. Question. Yeah, Lila, did you want to start? Here you go. Okay. <laughs> um, so we have, you know, we have, uh, let's see, five main people on our team, and we have two lead programmers, um, so, and we have kind of a mixed process. So we have first an open submission process where anyone can open submit during a three- or four-month period to have their film reviewed and considered. Um, and then we also have our lead programmers who are um, going to film festivals. You know, when the, when the world is normal, they're going to film festivals. They're very plugged into uh, the film scene. So they, they, might, um, pick, they might see a film that they want to program at another film festival and, um, and, and just do so. You know, so we do do that sometimes. Um, and we also, you know, really like love to follow our alumni and see the work that they continue to produce because you know there's a lot of raw talent that comes in the door at film for and then five years fast forward they're winning sundance you know and like that's cool for us so we definitely like to kind of keep tabs on our alumni i would say film fort has a healthy appreciation for the weird the offbeat we like animation we like documentary we love like rich visually driven beautiful narratives I think that the production, it's really important to have high production quality. So if that's not there, it's going to be really hard for us to program a film first and foremost, right? So it has to be technically good. It has to come together. You, you, you never want to be questioning in a film like, why did that happen? Or wait, you know, is that bad acting or bad directing? Like you don't want to be thinking those questions, right? <laughs> so, um, even even though we're, we have experience in films, we might see things a little differently than the average viewer. But if you're getting taken out of a film too much to ask those questions, um, then that's not a good sign, right? So you want a film that captivates you, that you are along for the ride and you're not asking questions to a degree, right? I mean, you want to be like, wait, did he ask the other guy or is that the other guy? Who is it? You know, that's okay. Yeah. That's a question you want to ask. But you don't want to be going... God, why is the lighting like that? You know, <laughs> that's so that those are the kind of things that we that we look for that seamless experience that you are just on the ride and you're loving it. Um, but that being said, we, we have different tastes, you know, um, and so, like, you know, uh, Matt Wade, one of our programmers, uh, you know, has very different tastes than than me. He loves crazy, weird, dark animated stuff he loves very offbeat stuff i'm a little more traditionalist i like a little bit more story driven stuff but there's no conflict there because we all contribute something everybody watches films everybody gives some input everybody i think feels comfortable with their level of input on the films we're doing and um if it comes down if it needs to come down to a vote it it does sometimes with like 
like sometimes it's like, okay, you know, so-and-so really loved that film and, and we like it. So, okay, that's fine. You know? And then other times it's like, does this film fit? Let's vote, you know? So, um, but you know, ultimately we like that we're bringing diverse experiences. You know, we like that we have the weird offbeat stuff. And then we also have like outdoor documentaries that anyone can appreciate or, you know, so the diversification is, is only a strength, I think. Yeah. And maybe to play off that too, is like we, most of the time programming is a very like isolated thing, like that I've experienced with film for in the past, where it's like, you have a bunch of people watching films and you flag them accordingly, where it's like, I like this one, here are my problems with it, what do you guys think, da, da, da. So we're sending like links back and forth essentially. Um, but this last year we did try out a new way where we had our like top like whatever 10 or 20 that we were like these are the ones who we like but we're not sure if it fits with our programming like when we sat down as a group and like watched them together and tried to decide like you know we, we kind of had to vote in person with each other and like you know argue our case why we wanted it in the programming and it was a very different mm-hmm. and unique way of like going about programming to me at least because i am used to a very different form of it um but i do like that that way way of it i think we should continue yeah uh, yeah we call it a maybe screening so it's like our maybe films Mm -hmm. and then and there's something really helpful about watching it as a group because i mean originally none of these films are intended to be watched alone in in your house right so it is actually very helpful for us all to watch it and be like who's laughing at what and, mm-hmm. and uh, what, did, what didn't make sense to everybody, you know, in real time, that we can have those discussions and you feel the energy of the room raise when we all saw a film we liked, you know, and it becomes a little more clear um, because you can kind of sit at home all day going, I think this is good, you know, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like it just helps to have that <clears throat> kind of peer perspective. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed that too and I, I hope we can continue to do that. I know. And so how I would agree that we can, Allison and I can relate to that with like some story for programming too. figuring out, you know, especially when we, we do sort of reach out to artists, um, but we've been getting more and more sort of straight submissions um, just like you guys do. And I get like, on the music end of tree four too. That's a huge process um, that I don't, I, we can chime in, but we don't have a lot of influence. I feel like their, their team does the same thing and probably has to figure out, yeah, you liked it. I liked it. This person didn't. And then what the equation is to actually say yes to them or no to them. And that's difficult. But like, how many submissions do you get? Or how many hours do you put in? We were talking about that a little bit beforehand. Like, yeah, a lot, I'm sure. I think we had 80 submissions, maybe. Um, and, uh, and then we probably had another 20 or 30 films on top of that. So, you know, a good 100 hours of, of, at least, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about my time. I'm not even counting other people's time, actually. So, I mean, it, it is, a, it's actually a lot more work for us to do an open submission process than just program it ourselves. Um, but we think that's important in terms of the filmmaking, community building thing. And also just because, you know, we know there are great artists out there who aren't plugged into our network and we want to hear them out, you know. Um, but frankly, it does create a huge amount of extra work for our team because we do due diligence. We, we watch, you know, we we're watching every film and, um, and even, um, 
like, you know, if I have interns sometimes watch uh, films, for example, if an intern tells me a film is, is um, not good, I'm going to double check, you know what I mean? I'm not going to just assume um, because, you know, we, we need to have those checks and balances to make sure that we're doing, you know, justice to everybody in the process. So it is, it is more work, um, but I think we all feel good about it. Um, and we're welcoming new people into the fold, which is awesome too. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all a lot of work for sure. And ultimately you, Landed on, I think, 40-some films, right, that were going to be in March and or September. But <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and what so, do you do yeah. with those two now? I'm, I'm super curious because I, a lot of, like, the storyboard artists have said, yeah, we'd like to come back. At this point, we still have to kind of reconnect with them, like, in, in a little bit here to figure out if we'll come back in 2021. But with films, you mentioned sort of the uh, maybe an expiration date almost or, like, when they can't quite – air in 2021 but they could have in 2020 and kind of how that works and what you can do with the current lineup after you already show it this this weekend basically so i'm I'm just curious how that works yeah i mean in this case you know we we're doing this event to present our 2020 lineup and we'll have a new lineup next year um okay and um part of that reason is because of the film festival cycle and the way things work um you know i already have several filmmakers they're already shooting on another project you know they 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 won't be able to come back um so it's a little bit different i think than some of the other forts in that way um, and because it's a medium that we can share virtually, we decided to go that route and just say, okay, this is the 2020 program. We'll start fresh next year. Um, but we got the workout and that was, you know, that was the goal. That was part of the goal anyway. Um, so we're happy that we can share it with people that way. Um, but yeah, ultimately I think, you know, some of these films came out in 2018, 2019. Those folks are on to new projects Um, Some of those films are already online, which frankly makes it harder for us to do screenings because people can watch them at home and, um, and that's a, that's a real thing, you know, for it just in terms of bottom line ticket sales, if people can watch it at home on Netflix, it's, it's not quite the same experience, right? But, um, but you might go, well, I wanted to go to that show, but man, I'm feeling lazy and I can watch it online. And then it's just like that one thing that kind of tips you sometimes um, when you're on the fence. So that's, you know, that's part of the joy of a film festival. You're seeing stuff that isn't out there yet. And so, um, you know, we're still, we want to do that next year for people. So, so what we're doing with this year is just sharing the films in the only way that we're able to. Yeah, and isn't, correct me if I'm wrong, Chelsea, but isn't, like, a festival run for a film generally about a year or a year and a half tops? Yeah, yeah. Because of your cycle, essentially. In the traditional model, like, which is kind of, you know, being upended these days, the film festival circuit is the opportunity for the filmmaker to sell the film. Mm -hmm. So they do the film festivals, the distributors and the buyers, they see how it's being responded to in the film festival. And then, you know, Netflix buys it or whatever, because it won Sundance, which it happens. It still happens at the big festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, so really festival runs usually are limited to a year, a year and a half until the film is sold is kind of what the traditional model is. Again, it's kind of changing because of the new media landscape or whatever. And, uh, and, you know, I think, our role as a film festival 
is more for us at Film Ford is more about supporting artists and bringing artists to Boise who would never come to Boise and bringing Boise to artists who would never see these artists. So for us, that's more our goal, you know, than um, kind of getting their film sold. But um, but it still, yeah, plays into that cycle and how it kind of has traditionally worked. Uh, Allison, you look like you were ready to ask something there. Well, I was just wondering if you. It's kind of, it might be hard to answer, but if there have been any like particularly memorable or some of your favorite uh, film for it moments, maybe in terms of like a really good audience or something that was surprising to you. What I really enjoy about having film for it, like the film for it's the first festival I've worked at where like I live in the town that um, we have, we're holding a festival. Um, and I think the most amazing experiences to have like your locals show up for stuff you know like when we have local film screening in our film blocks like locals show up and there i think it was last year that our like it was like standing room only people were like laying on the floors and between the aisles like because like people in boise love supporting people in boise and that's always mm -hmm. been an amazing part about like living and working here is that People show up, and that's really—it's just a really great feeling to know that you know your community's there. But yeah, that, that's one of them. Yeah, and on the on the flip side of that too, like yeah, I think there's a part of me. Even when I was working with Hackport, I love showing um, outsiders what an awesome community we have here. I mean, people mm -hmm. in New York and LA are blown away by the outpouring of support, the enthusiasm, the engagement, the love. Um, and not to mention, you know, Boise just being a beautiful city in general and like kind of the quality of life we have here. I love sharing that with people who come from other places um, mm -hmm. because, you know, we do have a different model here. We are a smaller town, but we're still making art. We're still supporting art. We're still doing it. So I, I really love that kind of, I kind of see it like a cultural exchange. I, I yeah. used to work in, in, in study abroad, so everything's a cultural exchange to me, but... <laughs> But it is, you know, and um, it's something I love because, you know, I think sometimes bigger people in bigger cities, you know, they think of um, places like Boise's a flyover, you know, state or something. I'm from the Midwest. It's always called a flyover state out there. But there is cool shit happening here. So I love sharing that with people and giving the audience the opportunity to talk to the director is something special that really mm -hmm. only happens at film festivals usually. So that is also really cool. Yeah, I would totally concur. And also, I think a, a good segue, but also sort of just to piggyback off what you all are saying, but I, I know my experience with Storyfort and being, you know, sort of heading that up over the last few years and all that kind of stuff, the authors are like blown away. Like, because also you have, by the way, a film fort happening, you have a hack fort happening, you have a yoga fort happening, and then, oh yes, music festival <laughs> it's like so you get to come here i mean i think that's one of the very cool things that has kind of like organically happened um and we talk about this a fair amount um to just like what Freefort as a entire culture cultural and arts festival offers outside the music makes it super unique um because i mean you, i've actually I, I maybe have been to a film festival outside of boise but i don't know that i have but do you think the filmmakers and the audience are like, oh, this is different because of the other things going on during those five days in Treeford? 
it's completely different than any other film festival I've been to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've never been to, I've been to a few film festivals that might have had a music component or another component, but I've never been to, other than South by Southwest, I've never been to anything like Tree Fort before. Um, and no film festival has that I've been to has, has been remotely kind of the same because, yeah, like filmmakers are, they come um, to, to do their Q&A and stuff with us, but then they also get to explore all the other events and that keeps them there a lot longer. And the cool thing about that is that artists stay in town longer. So you don't have just people flying in and out really fast. People will stay for two or three days and eventually we're all palling around like we've been college friends, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and you create a vibe and a little community during those three or four days. I think we've all had that experience with Tree Fort, right? Where you have your little, your little crew and you're like, okay, which show are you going to? All right, well, I'll meet you there if I can, you know, and, and it's, it's so fun to create that, um, to share that with people who haven't, you know, done the Tree Fort experience. <laughs> yeah. I'm I, Allison, you were nodding your head, Lila, you were too, so I get thoughts on that too. <laughs> yeah, I did wonder a little bit too, like maybe the most surprising thing that, like, like submission-wise, when you get like a brilliant submission, I think that's an interesting, you, you can play favorites a little bit, but other, you know, I don't know, Lila, you've watched a bunch of like these films, so is there one that was like, just blew you, I mean, one or two maybe that blew you away, like for like, oh my gosh, this one just is like, I can't believe that this person's not already famous kind of thing. That's a great question. It's also been so long since I've watched these submissions. Yes. Yeah, that it feels like an eternity ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, because actually I'm watching some of these features for the first time, and I'm very excited about that because, like, I when I do, uh, when I'm watching, like, film submissions, I'm often watching the, the shorts mm -hmm. um, more often. Um, and... Yeah, so it's like it's. I, I've actually saved a lot of these uh, features until now, which is really mm -hmm. exciting. Um, yeah, there's some people on our team. Yeah, because we have five people, forty films. Not all five people have seen every all exactly. forty films, right? right? So mm -hmm. some of these are going to be surprises for our team too. <laughs> um, I, 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 you'll just circle back to me because I'll go to think about it for a bit. <laughs> well, I'll go to like Chelsea real because I know you mentioned. I see the, a cat. <laughs> well, yes, we had. We have the cat's name is the cat's name is Leona and she refuses to be ignored. So I can't yeah. do anything. Of course. Yeah. If I lock yeah. myself in a room, she'll scream until I let her in. You know what I mean? So she's just yeah. part of the, yeah, she's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the actual, when I, when I push record on the zoom conversation, the first word we heard was meow. Yeah. <laughs> that was perfect. So that was pretty great, but also pretty great. Pony boy, the short film that you mentioned, was maybe that one for you, Chelsea, that kind of like came across, was it one you sought out or was it one that just came in as a submission? It's a really cool short film that's available on YouTube. I yes. Think. Though that's um, not. That, it, it, that one is online right now. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's one I, I kicked you just as an example of some of the content that we're, um, that we're sharing. And that is a short film directed by River Gallo and um, Sade, Clack, and Joseph. And, um, you know, not only is it a, a really interesting, beautiful film about an intersex runaway who is hustling in a laundromat and kind of fantasizing about what they wish their life would be like and 
falling in love. And so it kind of meets, it's like a fantasy meets reality kind of a um, short. And, you know, that's one that stood out to me because River Gallo is um, the director and the lead actor in the film. And mm. that is not an easy thing to do, especially as a first time director. Um, and this effort is so outstanding that it just, it's, it's one of those, okay, this is a person to watch kind of a film because it, it I, yeah, I just, I can't really explain the respect I have for pulling that off it, it, with that caliber of film. Um, so that's Pony Boy. It's, it's one of the ones in the virtual screening. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful film. Um, is, I yeah. thought of one of my favorites. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is actually one that we saw in, at EOFF um, back, you know. When was EOFF? October. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was the... Everything F seemed so normal then. Don't I know, remember when everything was normal and fine. Ugh. Um, it was I Am Human. It's a documentary um, about... The advances in technology, like with microchipping people's brains, and um, it was just very, I love a, a well-polished documentary, especially with stuff about stuff that I don't know anything about, um, and yeah, it was just, it was one of my favorites for sure, as well as, um, I also liked Benefer. Which, yeah, shout out Ryan McGlade. Yeah, it's like a really unique sort of David Lynch type stylistic uh, short film. Very weird. Um, and I'm super into that kind of stuff. I'm, it looks like it's also shot on film, um, which of course has a very unique look all in itself. Um, and then, yeah, that, that, that's one of the ones I'm really interested in seeing where that director continue or that filmmaker continues to go because I, I can see this like developing into very odd films that I'm very into so that's often my style is like this weird artsy non-linear timeline type uh storyline and then very well polished documentaries <laughs> no in between <laughs> I'm a little bit like that too Lila we're on the yeah. same vein um yeah, like, Benefer is a hilarious, weird, nonlinear, dreamlike mm -hmm. movie that you have to have a certain sense of humor maybe to appreciate. Right. But it's actually one of several films that we got this year that was shot on film. Mm -hmm. um, so that is interesting sort of aesthetic choice that people are making. Um, and Molly's Single is another one that has a similar tone of a, of a strange kind of meandering, a nonlinear storyline mm -hmm. Also hilarious, also offbeat, also shot on film. Um, we also have um, uh, "I'll Be Here." I'll be here for a while. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was a great shot on film. Fantastic film, shot by two brothers, uh, co-directing, and um, that's a, another beautiful film that was shot on film. So that's an interesting trend just to see for us as films coming in that more people are going back to old technologies, you know, and, 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 and also VHS. I mean, we've had mm -hmm. um, people shooting on VHS now because it, it's just, it has a really specific look and like, why, why fake it and make it look that way if you can just shoot it on VHS mm -hmm. and give it that look and feel, you know? So it, it's, it's fun seeing more of that throwback. Um, and can you it, still it's get the cassettes like to actually plug into the camera, like lock them in? Yeah, and then to digitize after the fact. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
I come oh, across nice. a lot in my grandparents' old storage unit, so those will be <laughs> eventually. So old media is not dead. If anything, it's coming back because I think filmmakers love a challenge and, and we love a way to make it weirder and harder. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> what's going to make it more difficult for us so that we can endure? Right? <laughs> no, it's really cool. But yeah, the lineup that we often have has a lot of like weird, mm -hmm. like uh, artsy type films. Because um, we also have a lot of like animations that are. Yeah. Pretty odd. Um, yeah, with suits, I think the I think the vibe of the festival overall too. So you're like, I think you're if we're you're at a music festival, it has a lot of arts things going on around it. Um, so it's you know, there's a lot of weird, cool stuff that happens like visually at Treefort every year, and I think that the, the films reflecting that, and we definitely try to do that. I don't know as best as we can with Storyport and Hackport does that, and mm -hmm. the art. Art Fort and Drag Fort and all the forts you know, so that I think kind of play off the overall vibe. So I, I think it's a pretty cool thing you're doing. Someone asked this question of me, and so I was going to ask you, because I think it's an interesting question, like your favorite movie-going experience you've ever had, the best experience you've had seeing a film. You know, I will say, just because I'm new to Film Fort, um, and, I'm, and, uh, and uh, I haven't had as many years under my belt with Film Fort, you know, I will say uh, Eastern Oregon Film Festival um, being a very like-minded festival. Um, my favorite, I, I just, I love seeing where people laugh, how they laugh, how they react. I love hearing people gasp when things are, you know, intense. And then, and then the discussion afterwards when the director there is like this emotional processing of like, I felt like, she was, you know, I felt like they were not listening to her. Were they listening to her? You know, and then the director will be like, well, technically this is what I was trying to do. And, you know, and I love that conversation, I think. And, and those are just so meaningful for the audience and the director. Um, so, you know, and I've, I've had a lot of those experiences at Eastern Oregon Film Festival, and I know they've happened at Film Fort too. And those are the best times when you have a high level of engagement from the audience and the directors present, um, that's the most fun. And there's nothing more fun for a director than hearing people laugh um, at their film or cry at their film or whatever they, you know, hoped for. Because frankly, as a filmmaker, you sit in an editing bay alone for months on end and you're not even sure if it's good anymore at the end. You know what I mean? So the big, it's, it's our, it's literally a release, right? It's a release of a film, but it's an emotional release for everybody um, as well for the artist and the crew and, and the cast. It's, it's, it's important. Um, actually, I feel like now is a good time to mention mm -hmm. that we very likely have the director for Beast Beast coming into town for nice. a screening on September 27th. So Danny Madden is the director. His brother, Will Madden, is the, is the main, uh, one of the main characters in, and, um, in the film. It's twin brother, I think. Or I don't know if it's his twin brother. They look a lot alike. But, um, which is jarring. You're like, wait, is that the director? No, it's his brother. But anyway, um, still firming up the details on that, but 90% positive that the director will be there and possibly a couple other folks. So... Um, very excited about that. Ooh. They haven't had an opportunity to do a lot of in-person screenings, obviously, with the way things are. So they're incredibly grateful that we're going for it, and um, they're going to show up. 
which is at the Flicks on the 27th, which is a uh, Sunday. Yes. Sunday this Sunday. Night. When this airs, it will be this Sunday. Yeah. All right. So, Lila. I mean, I would say I'd probably echo something very similar. Uh, there's nothing quite like an experience of like watching a good film at a film festival because of that interaction. Like, it's not, it's just so very different than just going to a movie in like your hometown sort of a thing, like Edwards or whatever. Because of the fact that you have, like, that filmmakers often present, you can ask those questions. Like, people are bringing up uh, points that you never even thought about during the film afterwards, and it's like it's just a, an overall a very different experience. And it's like it's very charging, you know. Um, and yeah, I, I would actually say because EOFF is one of the ones that I was able to actually sit down and watch films there often. Because um, I, I work a lot of festivals, but I don't often get to actually sit down and watch a lot of movies at those. <laughs> um, so EFF is often one of the ones that, like, you get a lot of, you get a lot of uh, interaction with your, your audience, like, as a, as a filmmaker. And it's really, I don't know, it's a very different feeling. Um, so I would say, yeah, film festival, festival, like, movie watching is some of the best, in my opinion. Um, so if you guys get a chance to do that, <laughs> would highly recommend it. I don't know. Yeah, Allison, what would be your answer to your own question? Well, mine is not as exciting because I haven't been to that many film festivals. But I do think like in the limited experience that I've had, it is, it is the coolest when you can just kind of hear that interaction afterward. Yeah. The answer I came up with when someone asked me was just when I saw Napoleon Dynamite at the Flicks, and I'm from Idaho, and I was with my parents the whole audience just had that recognition of like we've all been in this house and we've all uh we all know these people so that was my my answer which is not as good as no that's great i mean no, well, that's, that's always a great experience going to the flicks is one of my favorite things ever mm -hmm. so <laughs> I, yeah. can i just also add to that because you just reminded me napoleon dynamite shot in idaho as we mm -hmm. most of us know right and so mm -hmm. has that even even more of a personal connection to idaho yeah i like a couple months ago my friend was like oh we should watch a richard Pryor movie he did some funny movies in the 80s and he did some funny screwball kind of comedies and we, we threw on a random movie called Moving from 1988. And it's about, a, it's about a black family moving to a very white city and trying to adjust to that weird cultural dynamic. And guess what city they moved to in the film? Boise, Idaho. So it cracked me up just hearing Richard Pryor. And there, there's just all these great scenes of them being like, Boise, what's in Boise? You know, and... Um, <laughs> It's just, it's funny. It's just funny because you know it's in Boise. That alone is hilarious. And, um, and Richard Pryor, of course, is a genius. So it's, that's a funny throwback kind of 80s movie to watch that Amazing. has some Boise scenery in it and makes fun of, um, you know, kind of the cultural differences. <laughs> yeah, they, they play it to the full extent. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. So is that thing out there, that movie out there on like... Oh, it's out there. I don't know where it is, but I watched it. 1988. I feel like I remember, yeah. You know who else is in it? Oh my God, I don't know her name. Stacy from Clueless. 
Oh, you remember her? Yes. I just rewatched Clueless. That's that was on my list of things I've been rewatching. Yeah, she's in. Yeah. It. She's great because she's the teenage daughter, so she's the most pissed off that they're moving to Yeah. Um, it's so funny. Just yeah, again, if you just want to laugh in these times, check yeah. it out. And I feel awesome. like honestly, that film could be shot in 2020. I know, right? I know. <laughs> I know. Come on, man. Uh, I, I do remember, I mean, me being the, the senior in the group, you know, whatever, older than you all, but I do remember that title when I was, you know, sort of just finishing up high school and stuff like that in the 80s. But I don't think I ever saw it. So I'm going to look that up for sure. It was so uh, random that we watched it and that it took place in Boise. It was, it was, it was, yeah, kind of similar. Yeah. Was it actually on the streets of Boise too? Was it like, I don't know if they shot it in Hollywood or on the edge you know, of LA? Probably not. But there's a lot of like, you know, foothills in the background shots here and there. So I, they shot some of it in Idaho, but okay. um, probably not a lot of the interiors and the um, houses and stuff were probably on a set somewhere, but. <laughs> But yeah, it it still it still rings true. Uh, yeah, sadly enough. Um, well, I think we've come to the end of our you know time right now. We could continue this conversation later, but I think that maybe final thoughts on and sort of informational thoughts on how to get tickets, how to do the stuff. Yeah. Tell us, Chelsea, Lila, how do people see the films? Just the streaming films, and then how yeah. do people like get so, tickets and where to go? Just to, again, break it down for folks who, who might not be in the loop, we have a virtual screening, Filmmaker Magazine, September 25th through the 27th. The filmmakers have agreed to have their films public online for those three days. So all three days, um, you can watch those films. Now, if the filmmakers don't, don't lock down their films after that, some of them might still be available, but we can't guarantee that. So the, all of all those films will be available for those three days. So I recommend checking that out on filmmakermagazine.com. And then our in-person screenings at the Flicks, you can pre-buy tickets on the Flicks website. And it's $10 a show, but we have a weekend pass for $25. So you see three uh, films for $25. Um, so definitely recommend that if, if you're game for the in-person screening and you, and you want a weekend to look forward to, um, definitely buy that on the Flix website, um, is the easiest way to do that. You can of course buy tickets on the day of the show as well. Cool. And then also look up, I think up the Flix website about safety precautions and what the standards are for the venue and all that because you know. yes they do have some information on there i know they've just implemented a new ventilation system they have a lot of sanitation protocol and yeah bring your mask but um know that you can eat concessions once you're safely distanced and that we are um like lila said you have it's an assigned seating seating model now with covid right now so you get to pick your seat when you buy a ticket so that's a reason to buy a ticket early um and uh and make sure that you you get a good seat um but you you are able to sit with whoever you buy tickets with right but they'll make sure that you're distanced from anyone that you're not wanting to be in your group with cool final thoughts lila things um, we should know remember to buy lots of concessions and drink lots of drinks at clicks because they're a local business and you should be supporting them during a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And buy a shirt. I don't care. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Support the flicks. Yeah. We love the flicks. They've been really good to us through this process mm -hmm. um, with all the changes and adaptations yeah. we've had to make. And they're a real champion for in indie film in the Treasure Valley. So um, definitely support them. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, enjoy this. This is Film for 2020. And starting in March or so, we're going to be opening up submissions for next year. So this is it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Are we the actual, are we the only live event going on for Tree Fort? I think so. Yeah. I would like to wear that as a badge of honor. I know. Do we get a t-shirt or something for being the only thing that happened at Tree Fort in 2020? I want a t-shirt for that. Uh, who do we talk good. to about that? <laughs> no, I think that's pretty cool. Like during the actual time that Tree Fort 2020 would be happening after the postponement, you guys are able to do it. And, we were having fun doing some stuff this summer and had some one-off events here and there, but it's pretty cool. It's like, oh, this, remember people, <laughs> what you're missing, <laughs> like literally, but you get to also participate in it as well. Some, some of you, 50 of you or so in the actual live version, but man, it's really cool to like talk to y'all. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, yeah. thank you for yeah. having it's us. Been great. Okay, then there we are. That was our episode with Chelsea Smith and Lila Stryker. And gosh, what a great conversation. And perhaps you even heard a cat in there. Chelsea's cat made an appearance during the Zoom conversation. But hey, go check out the Film for Weekend this weekend, down at the Flicks or streaming online. And I want to thank Treefort, Treefort Music Fest. Information can be uh, found at treefortmusicfest.com. I want to thank Eavesdrop Studios. EASE-DROP.COM is where you can find that information about this awesome podcast network where this podcast and others live. And I want to thank Up Is The Down Is The for providing our awesome theme music. Uh, we just want to say we hope you're doing well out there. Uh, we're plugging away as we head into fall. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep making these podcasts and making some art and celebrating all that uh, all that's tree fort. So, Hey, one day soon, I shall see you, we shall see you, at the fest.